Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're talking about the gospel pandemic, part nine, gospel reproduction. Welcome back. How's it going, Brian? Doing good. Good, man. Uh, It's... Thursday, we're recording. <laughs> Are we doing good? <laughs> we're like, yeah, yeah, sure, we're here. <laughs> By God's grace. That's right. That's right. Well, I am glad that we're back. Uh, I'm excited about this topic that we are going to be talking about today. But first, I want to ask you, Brian, have you uh, been used? How how have you been used to carry on the legacy of discipleship? So, yeah, I know that there have been people, we've talked about this, that have poured into me. And so then I now have the responsibility to pour into other people. You know, I've had uh, my youth pastor in high school, also in college and other people, even my uh, pastor now, who's my boss, but also a mentor to me has poured into me. And so uh, I'm able to, you know, see that play out in my life. You know, for instance, you know, a couple of the greatest joys of my life, a few of the greatest joys, aside from, you know, my faith and my family. I've been seeing the students that I've had impacted over the years as a student pastor uh, grow up to do great things for God. You know, mm-hmm. there's one, when I was an intern uh, at Porter Memorial Baptist Church, there were some uh, middle school kids that were there. Uh, now one of them works for Centerfuge Camps and mm-hmm. one of them works for Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I'm just so grateful. My part was very small, but but I'm just grateful that I was able to, if I had any influence at all, I'm just so thankful that God did that. You know, I also see students in our church today, you know, I've been at this one church now for 14 years and I've been blessed to see these students grow up and they're having kids of their own. And I get to see that kind of progress, how I was able to touch their lives. Now they're investing in their own families and it's just such a blessing. Yeah, it is pretty cool. You uh, you you ministered to these people in the student ministry, and now you're actually ministering to their kids in, in the children's ministry, and and still to them, you know, because we're always trying to minister to the whole family. And that's really what this is about: this idea of reproduction, the the gospel reproduction that takes place when you make disciples. Because the goal of making disciples is that you would make disciples who then will go and make disciples, because that's a part of what Jesus commanded us to do. So why is it so important that we get this right, that we that we understand we're not just making followers, we're making people, disciples who also make disciples? Yeah, this is one thing that I think the church is really just struggles with, mm. you know, for whatever reason. And, and some of it has been, especially in the last, I'm going to say, I don't know if I had to guess 50 to a hundred years, yeah. you know, we have, we have taken the idea of discipleship and we've tried to institutionalize it. Mm. And what I mean by that is for instance, that we've done the same thing with like school. Now with school, it's not necessarily a bad thing because of the way our culture is, we send all that we send our kids to school to be educated mm-hmm. and the parents have little, and in some cases, no, um, say or input or really direct influence over the education of their children. Mm-hmm. They just, they send them to school. They expect them to be educated. And I think the church sort of adopted that model somewhere along the way. And we said, Hey, send your kids to us for discipleship. 
and parents were willing to relinquish that responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not laying the the blame at the church. I'm not laying the blame at the parents. It just kind of happened all together. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of yeah. the way it happened. Perfect and so form. now I think we're coming out of that. But mm-hmm. I definitely think we feel the 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 consequences of that. That there is an expectation that the church uh, disciples the kids. You send them to church, and they they do the spiritual discipleship. And it just doesn't work like that. Just like we talked about at our training on Saturday, mm-hmm. pastor brought up a very interesting point that they're only in church, you know, maybe a couple hours a week mm-hmm. versus the influence that you have as a parent is much greater. Yeah. Yeah. All throughout the week. And that's the thing. It's not just about timing. It's about the fact that this is, you know, God's design and his, his plan. This is what he desires is for, you know, especially parents to be the the number one disciplers of their children, yeah. um, to work alongside the church, uh, but to to really take on that responsibility themselves. And then uh, primarily for every Christian to take on that responsibility. That's God's desire. Yeah. And my point was, I think this kind of mindset's filtered into even the way we disciple adults, yes, even the exactly. way we do any discipleship. It's sort of this come and see and sit and soak kind of model. Right. So go to church, go to Bible studies, you know, do these types of things, which we know those things are good things. Yes. We need those things. But does do that does that produce true disciples? I think to have real discipleship, there must be an intentionality based in relationship. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think it's a part of the stream of life. And that's what, so this intentionality based in, in relationship, to me, that is that is the flow of life, bringing other people into your life and, and doing discipleship within that context. Because here's the reality. We don't have time to like schedule all these like trainings and meetings and things all the time. You know, we do we do that some and we need to do that. But what we have more time to do is to say, hey, I got to work on my car, but you and me still need to talk about Jesus. So why don't you come over and help me do that? Or, hey, uh, I have to eat food. You have to eat food. So why don't we have our families get together and eat food together and talk about Jesus? And so we are intentional with our relationships and then using that for disciple making. Yeah, that's really good. I think, you know, we've got to return to the biblical model of discipleship. Mm -hmm. I think our church has been trying to push into this more and more in Mm -hmm. the last few years. Uh, You know, I think we need to, we as ministers want to keep pushing into that and, and keep uh, pushing people to the biblical model for discipleship. So what's the first thing we notice from scripture, uh, Brian, that we would, we would want to look at. Yeah, the the first thing we have to recognize that disciples from from God's word, disciples are expected to make other disciples to reproduce, right? This should be a duh thing that we just like get, but it it sometimes we just feel like it's optional, yeah. but it's not. I mean, we look at um, you know, what Jesus says and and he tells us that, you know, you were not mature disciples until we are making disciples. Well, Jesus didn't say that. I said that. Well, you said that, but Jesus that's a, said, that's, that's kind of joking with oh, okay. you. Jesus said in John 20, <laughs> he said, "Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you." Exactly. Same concept. That's there. what yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that though. <laughs> so maybe no, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we are on a mission and you know this is this is uh it's not just part of our lives it becomes the total 
you know, drive for, for what we're doing, you know, yeah. how we think about where we live, our job, uh, just, just everything about all of this is involved in the mission. Yeah. You know, I think about this often, Brian, I think how willing are we to talk about the good things of our life, but we don't talk about our faith. Yeah. You know, somebody goes and, you know, get a good deal <clears throat> on a shirt. We love, you know, we're Midwesterners. We love like, oh, that's a great <laughs> shirt. $5. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we love talking <laughs> about right. the great deal we got mm -hmm. on a shirt. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, we, we, we talk about our achievements of our kids, you know, yeah. how are your kids doing? Oh, great. So, you know, they just made the honor roll or mm -hmm. they just scored three goals in the soccer game. You know, mm -hmm. we love talking about that good news stuff. We'll talk about promotions at work and all of the good things, but we will not talk about our faith. Right. And that is a shame because that's the best news of all. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes it's because we think of it merely as like a sales tactic. Mm. You know, I think that's one thing. It's like, instead of just talking about what we love, it's like we feel like we're having to talk somebody into something. Right. And that's not really what we're advocating for right now. Like when we're talking about evangelism, we're not really talking about selling people something. We're just talking about talking about what you love, living out what you love in a way that, that other people see and go, hey, I think I want that too. Right. It's it's telling people about the free gift of salvation. That's right. You know, it would be the same as if you were telling somebody, hey, so-and-so is giving out free TVs. Right. You know, hey, Brian, the, what yeah. you they're giving out? For, yes, go get go a free get TV. Go get it now. Yeah, that's so right. So I'm not trying to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. What I'm saying is there there is a way mm -hmm. of salvation that is made available to men, and I'm offering you this free gift. Some people may get offended at that, but ultimately, I mean- this are, is are, well are we going to let people who are offended by something stop us from loving Jesus Well ultimately if we love you know? that person we're going to share with them That's whether, right. whether they That's get right. offended or not That's right that's true If we yeah. love the Lord and we love people as Jesus did we're going to to share and this is our commission That's right You know let's look at the great commission in Matthew 28 I do want to point out this is not the great suggestion Right. Okay. Jesus did not say, you know, hey, if you have time, I want you to do this. Mm -hmm. He took his disciples aside as some of his very last words, and he said this. He said, this is what you are to do. Mm -hmm. You want to read it for yeah, us? Yeah, he says, or, or it says in Matthew 28, 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, let's break that down just a little bit. I think the first thing we can see is Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Jesus has the authority. We don't go. This is, goes back to what we were just saying. Mm -hmm. This We don't go in our own authority. We don't right. go in our own power. The Son of God. Creator of the universe, ruler of the universe, has commissioned us to do this. That's right. And so we are going in his authority, doing what Jesus has commanded. Yep. I always tell the students kind of uh, how I used to deal with when my friends <clears throat> wanted to like hang out and I just did not want to hang out with them. And so how would I tell them that so that it wasn't like on me? Well, I'd go to my parents and I'd say, hey, mom, dad, <laughs> listen, I don't really want to hang out with this person right now. Can you just tell me that I can't have friends over? <laughs> this is bad. This is bad. But this is what I did so that I could go back to my friend and be like, nah, sorry. 
sorry, my mom and dad said I can't have friends over. And it's because that authority, my friends could accept that because the authority wasn't coming from me. It was coming from someone higher than me. And that's a silly illustration, but that really does help us understand, like, we don't have to be afraid to go and do this because it's coming from Jesus. And if we really believe that, then we we can go do this without any fear. That's right. So That's right. we, we've got to hold on to that. The next one is this this fact that he says to go and make disciples. Yeah, this implies an action. I mean, this is not this is not sit and come and wait for people to come to you. Jesus is saying go. And even if we talked about a few weeks ago, there's a model where he's sending his disciples out. He is he is saying, now that I'm leaving you, you know, the Holy Spirit is coming. You are to go. That's right. You know, there's a temporary time where I want you to go wait. In mm-hmm. Jerusalem mm-hmm. for the Holy Spirit, and from there you're to go out to the ends of the earth. He yeah. says in Acts one eight, and so there's this going that must happen, but not just to go make converts. He's very specific in what he tells them to do. You must go and make disciples. Yes, that is key. It, it, you know, if he had just said, and and it really, we're gonna get to this. You know, the 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 follow through of this whole thing is really important. But these are not just people who agree with you. These are people who are living it out. You are walking with them. You're not just, okay, you believe in Jesus? Cool. Next. It's not that. It's it's a process that you enter in with them. And the disciples, everywhere you see them go, especially Paul, you watch how he goes. He sets up churches. He goes, he makes converts, and then he sets up churches because discipleship has to happen. And they're making disciples in the church. Yeah, there's really an intentionality to it. It's, yeah. it's, it's not just to go and preach. It's to go and make disciples. Yes. And so you can't do that without relationship, and you can't do that without intentionality. That's right. I don't think that there's any accidental discipleship happening, you know? Right. Well, and that's why in like the the IMB, International Mission Board, and even NAM, the North American Mission Board, one of their key strategies is actually church planting. Mm. So there we're we're trying to plant churches. And am I right? I'm I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Yes. Right. So we're planting churches because we want to be making disciples instead of just having lots of people agree with us. We want to have a place where they can grow in their faith. That's right. We want converts and growing disciples. Right. And then he mentions baptism because mm-hmm. conversion leads to baptism. That's right. We should not abandon baptism. You know, baptism is not salvation, it's identification. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really key for us. Us. This prof- public profession of faith is marked by a public baptism. Absolutely. And so we need to really press into that and say, you know, in today's day and age, baptism can seem a little strange because right. we don't do this in any other setting. Yes. Back in the Jewish time, there was custom, there was ritual washing, ceremonial cleansing, and things like that. Um, it's a little strange for us, but I really think we should should push into this and say this is important. A, important tradition that we carry on it's it's also it's important because it's that public like you said it's a public uh really admission and proclamation of of what's going on in our heart and jesus said you know if you are ashamed to uh, confess me before men then i'll be ashamed to confess you before the father and so that that's kind of a big deal so baptism isn't just this you know churchy thing that we do. It's really our, you know, confession of right. belief. Well, it's both and, right? Romans yes. chapter 10, you confess, confess with your mouth and, and believe. believe in your heart. That's right. Jesus rose from the dead. Yep. You will be saved. That's right. So there's both an inward and an outward thing happening. That's exactly right. And so, so then we are teaching them to obey Jesus. You know, it's interesting. He puts this in here. He says, you know, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And I think that's really important that we key in on that because 
there uh there is no there there is no it's not that there's salvation and then like there's a separate lordship you know right. Jesus is our savior and lord and so this is this lesson can be a little bit harder for us to learn however we need to learn to submit ourselves to Jesus and learn to obey him yes not to earn salvation I want to make that clear not a works based salvation but as as we have come to faith in Christ if we are redeemed people our will and our ways will be challenged and changed and molded and shaped to become more like Jesus. Yeah, that's exactly right. And this is really him just kind of backing up the whole making disciples thing. Okay, so what does that really mean? Well, it means it looks like, you know, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. It's it's living out what I've given to you because I am your Lord. I'm your Savior and your Lord. So, so now teach these new disciples how to do that because you right. guys have been with me. He's talking to the 11. You guys have been with me this whole time. Now you're going to go show these other people how to do it. Right. That's really what it's And then at. he says, I'm with you till the end of the age. You know, no, he's not physically with them, but you know, he's accessible to all people. And actually you talked about this yeah. with the students last night. Yeah, it was really great. We we watched a video uh, by Matt Chandler and he discussed it. It was it was so cool to to just see that Jesus going into heaven, this idea of him leaving us is actually what made him closer to us. Um, so he's in heaven. He is reigning cosmically over all of the universe. And instead of us having to travel, you know, physically to Jerusalem or wherever he is physically, now we have the Holy Spirit and we can talk to Jesus anytime, anytime, any, any place, anywhere, no matter what. Um, and that's why Jesus went to be at the right hand of the Father so he could be accessible. Um, and so he's accessible to all people. He's with us. Yeah, I think that's a really important theological point that we can't run by because we we are not on our own. Mm. Jesus doesn't say, here's your mission. Now go and do this without me right. in your own power, in your own <laughs> good strength. Luck. Yeah, yeah, good luck. <laughs> he says, you're going in my authority, you have mm. my power, and also I'm with you. Yes. And so if we really believe that, then God's presence, God's spirit is on us. We are, we are blessed, commissioned, and ordained to go do this mission to make disciples. Yep. Yeah, it's funny, just a, a fun analogy, and I know we talk about working out a lot, but um, when when we're working out, and, I'm, and I've got a, a partner who's spotting me or something, a lot of times we'll say to each other, like, like, no, put some more on, put some more weight on there, and I got you. And you know what I mean? And so we'll just be there and we help each other through whatever hard thing we're dealing with. And, yep. and, and it's, it's, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing is he's, he's really enabling us to get through it. So it's more than that. Um, but, but we can do this. Yeah. Sometimes we can you do this. Sometimes you can do more than you think. And then if you do fail, someone's there to help you. Yes. And the Holy Spirit, that's what this is. That's the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. To to get us when when things go sideways. <laughs> yeah, I would really encourage people. I know like the Great Commission can seem sort of like worn out, sort of played out, you know, because we've heard it so many times and pastors harp on it. We harp on it because it is so, it's important. so important. And this needs to be something that we take to heart and we obey this command. If we're going to obey Jesus, we need to obey this command That's as right. well. This is part of it. So yeah. so we really need to think about this and say, okay, this is the mission that I'm on. And and part of this is we are we are sent to make disciples as a part of God's kingdom. That's we right. are building something. Yep. 
yeah, this is the second thing we really need to see about um, reproducing the gospel, uh, making disciples. Jesus is building something here. He's building the kingdom of God. He brought the kingdom of God in his pre- He's the king, right? And uh, he brought that, and now he is building the temple of God, okay? He is, he is the fulfillment of the promise to David that was seen in Solomon, but it was pointing forward to Jesus to build the true and spiritual temple, which is the church. And yeah. we see this in Ephesians 2, uh, starting verse 19, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit." Yeah, can we just understand how important this passage is? I mean, this is this is means that we are a part of something bigger than we could ever hope for. Yeah, um, you know, there is a foundation first that's been laid by the the apostles and the the prophets. That is God's word. Right. They were they were deliverers of the word of God. They gave the revelation of God to us, and that is what our foundation is built on. And then it says Jesus is the cornerstone. So what does that mean, that Jesus is the cornerstone? That means that he is the key to the whole building. Without this cornerstone, the the fundamental part of the foundation, everything comes falling down. So that's, you know, real in actual building practices. Yeah. Um, but this is an analogy pointing to the the truth of who Jesus really is. And it's funny because the prophets and the apostles writing the word of God, and then you have the word of God saying that Jesus is the logos, mm-hmm. the word. Jesus himself is the word. So, so you have the foundation but Jesus is the the ultimate reality of the foundation. Right. The cornerstone was was the perfectly shaped stone that was put in the corner and all of the walls were built off it. You know, they didn't have laser levels and they didn't right. have all these things, but as they put the cornerstone in place, they could build off that wall and and always make sure that the wall was true and straight. And so Jesus is that for our faith. He is he everything is built on him. He keeps everything focused on the Lord, on on glorifying God, bringing honor and glory to him. And so we must rely on this foundation of the word of God and Jesus as our as our cornerstone to make sure we are we are being built in the right way. And as we're doing that what's crazy is that every believer who is just focusing on Christ and growing in Christ is a part of this structure the the temple the holy temple of God. We are a part of the structure and we're also a builder of the structure. That's that's what the the verses were telling us that we're both a part of building it and we are a part of it itself. Right. And so, you know, why is this happening? Well, it's ultimately for God's glory. The temple of God is where his glory dwelt. The yeah. presence of God was So there. Solomon built a temple for the Lord and his presence filled the temple. But once again, that was a singular place you had to go had visit. To go there. God has said, I'm building a living temple yeah. out of the church. Yes. The bodies of the people that are my 
followers. And so now we, I right now, as I'm walking around is part of that living temple and I have God's presence in me. That just, that just is so amazing to me. I just can't get over it. That's right. It's funny. Uh, I know that people are going to hear this on Monday, just after Sunday, but I know pastor Allen is getting ready to preach on, uh, part of the, the topic is the fact that the people are the church Mm. and, uh, and a spirit filled church is really just a group of spirit-filled people. Wow. And uh, and so the temple, it, it's beautiful. It's amazing. And guys, this is a worldwide thing. God has built his kingdom, and it's not just in Jerusalem anymore. It's reigning over the whole yeah. world through the church. I mean, there's there are Christians in, in Vietnam worshiping Jesus the exact same way that we do here in America. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah, and we have a amazing commonality with believers all over the world because we're united in Christ. And that's just amazing to me. So that's a part of the mission. I mean, the mission is that the whole kingdom would spread throughout the whole world. That's why reproducing the gospel in other believers and making more disciples is so important because the church, the kingdom is growing. That's right. The kingdom has come and it's growing. That's right. So let's move on here and talk about evangelism is what leads us to discipleship. Yes. And once again, these are all kind of duh statements, but I really <laughs> think they're so you important tease them out. Yeah. that we go back to them and say, uh, it's 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 in us that we are making disciples, and it all starts with evangelism. We must be prepared to share the gospel. That's so important because that's what we need to instill in other people. And so if we're not being prepared to share the gospel, then the people who are being discipled by us will not have that uh, DNA, I guess. You know, they won't have that that mentality that oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Right. And so, how do we get prepared? How do we yeah. do this? This ties back into our relationship with the Lord, our personal relationship. Now, we talked about this passage uh, a few episodes back, John chapter 15, and I just wanted to read it because it says so much about our relationship with the Lord and. If we do this, we will make disciples. So what it says here in John chapter 15, Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We, yes, that that is... That is so good, and if we will just soak in that and and really let that tell us how to live in Christ, then we'll realize that we are a branch that is just connected to the vine of Jesus, and we have to understand we are never going to fulfill the mission disconnected from Jesus. Yeah, I think about like a like a grapevine, you know, and I'm probably I'm sure that's probably what Jesus's imagery was, or maybe an olive. Right. Tree? Are olives on trees? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I actually don't our, know. I don't know. Grapes. Definitely grapes. Definitely so. grapes. <laughs> but, you know, I can imagine that, you know, if you, this is such an easy analogy for them because they know if you cut, if you cut the branch off the vine, no fruit will come. 
That's right. No fruit. It, that 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 branch is dead because it draws all of its nutrients. It draws everything. Now the vine will continue on, right? But the that branch will not bear fruit. Only when that branch stays connected to the vine will it bear fruit. And Jesus is saying, "I am the vine. You must stay connected to me. And if you do, if you if you abide in me, if you dwell in me, and I dwell in you, so there's this co sort of dwelling as believers. We will bear fruit. And that fruit, part of that spiritual fruit is making disciples. Yes. It's evangelizing, it's sharing the word of God and making disciples. Part of it is because Christians today do not they're like withered vine, they're like withered branches on the vine. Right. They don't they do not draw their nutrients, they don't draw their power and strength from the Lord. They don't get into God's word. Mm-hmm. They don't do those spiritual disciplines that we need to be doing. So therefore, we don't evangelize. Right. Because I truly believe that when we are convicted of our sin, when we are pushed closer to the Lord, we will see a need to share the gospel with those around us. And this is really important. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about, you know, the fact that God prunes, right? Um, And that doesn't mean that if you're a genuine believer that you're going to lose your salvation. That's not what we're saying at all. But the reality is, is if you're not drawing from the vine, if you're not abiding in Christ, then that means you might not be in him. And maybe you are, and you're just struggling right now. That's that's one thing, okay? You know, there's lots of things with with plants. I mean, you can see this in the agricultural world, where where there are ways to help different uh, you know parts of the plant to to grow and do better. But the reality is, is you gotta start. You gotta fix this. It's got to be fixed. You gotta start abiding in Christ. So if you're hearing this and you're like, man, I don't do any of this stuff. Listen, you're not alone. Like I've been there. I've. I've <laughs> I wrestle with this some stuff sometimes too. Um, go back to Jesus. Abide in him. He's the one that life comes from. And if you're not in him or grafted in him, then you're not going to draw life from him. And one of the ways you can tell if you are drawing life from him is if you have the fruit of the spirit, if you are living out these things that we're talking about. Well, standing on the outside, people think, wow, that's so difficult. It's so hard. You know, how many things have you done in your life that seem difficult. And then once you actually know the steps and you get through the process, you're like, wow, that wasn't really that bad. That wasn't that bad. You know? Yep. It just took just going for it. Right. And being okay with stumbling as you go. Right. (laughs) And so I think that, I think that we get this sort of like thing that spirituality or, or being a, a strong, mature believer is going to be this in, you know, this huge mountain of a task, right? It begins with literally just opening the word of God, spending a little time in prayer and connecting with your church in a deeper way, yeah. you know, getting involved in a, in a life group so you can have fellowship with other people serving. I mean, it's just these simple, basic things, Brian, I'm just going to beat my head against the wall because yeah. we keep saying this over and yeah. over again. It is these simple, basic things that produce long lasting uh, it's these habits that that will produce long-lasting, life-changing faith. That's right, and that's why you know discipline. We've talked about a lot of this stuff, and so can't get too much into it. But disciplines are so important, and uh, and it really comes down to just starting. Just just start yeah. small. Do me a favor and just grow. try it. That's right. Just try it. If if you don't believe me, then try to prove me wrong. Right. <laughs> just yep. try it. Try it. Stick with it for a decent amount of time and and ask God to do something. Go to church. Read your Bible. Pray to God. That is abiding in Christ and in the body of Christ. 
see what happens. That's it. See yeah. what happens. So let's talk about number four here. Let's talk about multiplication for a minute. You know, I believe that multiplication is the is the winning formula. Uh, yeah, and it can have a <laughs> huge impact. You know, we think about that. What it, what can my impact be over my life? It's probably relatively small for one person. If we're really making disciples, 40, 50 people, you know, if you're really a go-getter, maybe a little bit more than that, if, depending on how much time you have to mm-hmm. disciple people. But if you embrace multiplication, then you can make a much bigger impact. Why is that? Well, just, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not a mathematician, but anyone who has done math and you've done addition versus multiplication, you know, you start with small numbers with multiplication and you get on the, you get on your uh, calculator and you just keep pressing, you know, times, 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 you just keep going. And uh, the number gets huge so fast. Uh, it's just a principle that God really designed. It's a part of the way that He designed the world, wisdom, and and the the way the world works. Yeah. Um, if you if you disciple two people, then say you have a D group and you have two other people, and you're pressing into them, saying you need now, now after meeting them, say a year or whatever. Now you need to go find people you need to disciple. So right. those two people then disciple two of their own. Right. And everybody's starting to disciple two people. So now it's it's nine people mm-hmm. in discipleship relationships yep. at that point. You know, then you multiply that and then that and then on it and just on. Keeps on. Going. In a few years, you get one person can have an impact of hundreds, and in a few more years, they can have impact of thousands. And, just one person. And that's the thing. And and that's if you if you stopped right there, right? So if right. you like only discipled like two or three people, and then you said, okay, now you guys keep going and I'm done. Okay. And it'll keep going. It'll exponentially increase, which is amazing. But if you wanted to impact that same number of people and only, let's say, just make converts, people who weren't making disciples too, um, you would have to individually go to each one of those thousands of people that the other disciples have been making this whole time. So th- this is the whole point. This is what Jesus did. That's why we're going with this uh, book. You know, the well, you see, it went to it went from uh, a few small disciples, exactly. twelve. Then it went to one hundred and twenty. Right. Then it says that over three thousand. Then yeah, over three thousand. <laughs> I was going to say the five hundred number. Oh well, saw yeah. Jesus resurrected. <laughs> yes. You know, but then it went to three thousand, and then. You know, now uh, I don't know if everyone is what we would call a redeemed believer, but there's what a couple billion people on the planet that identify as Christians. Yes. So, yeah, it's amazing. You know, Jesus told us this truth in Matthew chapter nine. It says that in Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-five, and Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then mm. he said to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, it's interesting. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, meaning that the harvest is there and ripe and and ready. He needs laborers to go out and share the gospel and make disciples. Yeah, that's right. We, We can multiply. That's not the question. Uh, the the question is, uh, will we, right? Uh, God will provide the increase. He just needs us to be faithful, not perfect, not amazing, not even that good, just faithful. Just just go for it and so what's trust our, the Lord. What's our first step? Where do we where do we start 
how do we start to engage in this mission? I really think it's a mindset thing. Mm. You know, you have to really think some of these truths and take them to heart and say, okay, Jesus has commissioned me. He's commanded me. He's giving me the strength. Now I need to do the, the work of actually uh, learning what does it mean to make a disciple. And if you've never been discipled, find someone mm-hmm. that will enter a discipleship relationship or a D group with you or right. start, even start a D group and go through uh, one of the resources, one of the books like Growing Up by Robert Egality yeah. or The Walk by Stephen Smallman and learn what it means to make disciples. And then you'll be prepared and they will be prepared for a lifelong journey of disciple making. I think that's where you start. Yeah, that's it. Like if you're discipling, maybe you are discipling somebody right now, make sure kind of like what you're saying in those books, make sure you're instilling this reality in them. Make sure they understand like you're discipling them so that they can grow in their relationship with Jesus and so that they can help somebody else grow in their relationship with Jesus yeah, down both, the road. And both of those books uh, key in on that yes. really well. Yeah, super helpful resources. But, you know, practically speaking, you know, the first place that we find ourselves around other people is in our families. Right. And so we can't forget that our family is our first mission field. We have a duty to disciple our kids. Um, and honestly, like children there there might be students or people listening to this maybe college students who who are hearing this podcast and they have unbelieving parents like you have a responsibility to to reach out and to try to give the gospel to them yeah right? can i just say for if you're a parent who is a follower of the lord and you know you you take seriously your role would you also consider thinking about ways to disciple other students you know yes. get involved in the student ministry the kids ministry uh maybe it's even just uh your your friends mm-hmm. i mean your your kids friends yes you know so maybe it's it's just being that place that home where you are always welcome People are always welcome to come and hang, and then you can pour into those kids in spiritual ways that their parents aren't because their parents aren't believers. Right. Can I add to that? Like, I I think, please. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of times people want to be involved in ministry and stuff. And, but they don't have time on like a Wednesday night or whatever to, to give to that. And so they're like, oh, I can't do, you know, I can't do any of this. No, no, you can do this. And all it takes, even, even for, you know, students and kids who have healthy families, uh, whatever, especially I would say, like you said, find those who aren't getting this influence and, and, and bring them into your family. But, uh, you know, your, your kids hang out with their friends and they like to have sleepovers and they do things like that. You can use some of that. That time outside of the normal church activities to to sit down and have a Bible study. Right. I, I know like people who are friends of my wife and serving in church are believers and they're serving in church now because my wife's mom did that kind of stuff with her and her friends. Yeah. And it's it, it's so impactful. Yeah. And so parents, you don't have to necessarily be here at the church to to do that, you are the church. So do it where you are um, with your kids. We all know someone who is um, a, they're sort of that light. They're sort of that people that always have other people around them that, and you know, it's because they simply have made themselves available. You Mm -hmm. know, they've opened their home or they've opened their life and the impact that they're able to make is not something crazy or out of the ordinary. It's all of us can have that kind of impact if we would just open our lives um, you know, I, I, 
No, I also want to key in on something that's really important that has been an important part of my family's life, being involved in the student ministry. I know, Brian, you have encouraged older students to disciple some of the younger students. Yeah. And I know that there was a, a girl that did a D group, a high school girl that did a D group with my daughter and another girl. And that's so impactful uh, to to have older students begin to to do that because really that starts them out on a life of being able to make disciples mm-hmm. right from there, right from the get go. Yeah. And that's exactly, you know, that's one of the things we're trying to do all the time. And I know that in the kids ministry, that's just kind of the, the uh, mindset that's driving everything is we're, we're trying to make these children and students into disciples who can make disciples one day. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to say, you know, we've got friends, we've got neighbors, we've got coworkers, we've got other church people in, and it can be really hard um, to invite them into your life. And I don't know about you. I, I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day. I struggle with this because, because um, I'm tired and I'm worn out. And when I'm at home, I want to be alone. I don't want to be bothered, right? And sometimes I feel like I have to perform for people. Like like I feel like if I'm welcoming somebody into my life, I have to perform for them and I have to be like happy all the time and I have to, you know, uh, make sure everything's perfect at the house and it's all clean all the time and my kids aren't disobeying me. That's just not what we're talking about though. And I have to let go of that. And I have to say, if I'm welcoming somebody in my life, like I want them to see the reality. And it doesn't mean that I'm just a mess all the time, but it does mean that I'm not trying to perform for these people because mm-hmm. that doesn't that right. doesn't work. That's right. not what people need to see. They need to see real, genuine Christian life. Yeah, and and this can be just a part of life. The the college the, the minister that reached out to me when I was in college and discipled me, like he'd be like, "I got to make hospital visits." Exactly. L- come with me, and he had to go make hospital visits no matter what because that was part of his job. He had a day of the week or whatever. But like we rode in the car and traveled around Louisville to different hospitals, and we talked, and he right. would help me think through different things at that time. Um, we, I remember washing his car with him, you know, just stuff like yes. that. It was like in the stream of life. So you listen, you look for people in the stream of your life. Listen, sometimes you got to go to baseball games and sit there for hours or a baseball tournament. Are there parents, are there other families you can reach out to and share the gospel? Can you have Bible study? Can you do discipleship there? You know, are there, are there other times and places that fit within your life that you're not adding something extra, but you're but you're redeeming that time for the Lord. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Does that make sense? I think that's exactly what we need to be doing. And and I see I see people who do this, and it really just comes down to being faithful and going for it. It's not about being awesome. It's not about being a super Christian. It's just about just being faithful and putting yourself out there for the Lord, you know? Um, and so we need to do that. We want to put ourselves out there for everything else under the sun. Why wouldn't we put ourselves out there for the Lord? Right. And, and the reality we need to grab hold of, this is the last thing we're going to talk about, is we are destined to succeed. Mm. You know, we have to ask ourselves, uh, what is the measure of success for a Christian? Mm. You know, and I think for so long we've not been we've not been focused on the right thing or at least not the full picture you yes. know we focus on uh, right living and you know we focus on trying to be be a good christian or a good person uh and i i think we got to try to push back against that because we we realize the measure of success in part but not in full mm-hmm. and the measure of success is to live a life 
devoted to the to Jesus for the glory of God. Right. And within that are all of these little things that we try to we try to grab a hold of, but we need to keep the larger picture in mind. Well, and what you're saying there is, you know, when we say I'm devoted to being a good Christian, well, what that means is you're devoted to upholding some form of the law that you've created in your yeah, mind. Yeah, many right? times it's your own like perception yeah. or your own thinking. Exactly. And so that's just straight up legalism. But if our our understanding of success is somebody who is simply devoted to Christ and living for him um, with the to the best that they can uh, and growing in the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, then, then we're going to see real success. We're going to see people who love Jesus and want to make disciples. Yeah, this will be a natural outpouring of our lives. If our life is lived to in total allegiance to Jesus, making disciples will be an, an outpouring of our life. That's right. And, you know, here's the hard truth about this, Brian, and I do want to be honest that making disciples um, can be messy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know about you, but when you share your life or you're you're in the middle of someone else's life, it can be messy. Things are not neat and clean, like, like a, like a program at church with a start and an end and a goal. Right. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, okay, here we are. Right. Warts and all. Have you know, have you oh, seen man. this? Well, and it's funny, like having been discipled by other people, it's like, like you said, you know, um, you kind of just have to go with the flow of whatever's going on in their life. And so you jump into whatever mess they're dealing with. And when you invite people into your life and you are invited into their life, you're really, ju- we're just jumping into each other's <laughs> messiness, right? And, um, and so somebody might hear that and be like, that is definitely not what I want to do, but isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, that's what Jesus did. He stepped down out of glory into the mess. And then he took all of our sin, all of our messiness for us. Well, we've also got to push back against the the private nature of everything that we do. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying that we have to publicize everything in our lives, but think about this. There's an analogy, you know, in most new neighborhoods that are built, the garage is the first is the is the front of the house. Mm. And you literally drive your car into the garage, shut your door, go into your house. Yes, yeah. Then when you get up in the morning, you take your car, you drive out of the garage, go to work. And and we never it's just an analogy that we we are so private, we never want to share our lives with anyone else. And I think Jesus pushes us into these communal relationships because it helps us with our spiritual maturity. Yeah. I don't think we can be an effective believer or a mature believer with everything remaining private. Now, no. again, that doesn't mean we're we're broadcasting everything out, but Brian, you know probably more about my life than any than there's just a handful of people that mm-hmm. know as much as you do. And yeah. I and I you likewise, yeah. And we help each other. Right. We encourage one another. Yeah. We, we we challenge each other and push each other forward. Well, so I am a better uh, follower of Christ because I have you in my life. And, and absolutely likewise. And it's funny because before the podcast, we were just talking about how important it is that we bear each other's burdens uh, and we ultimately cast those burdens onto Christ and we really just help each other <laughs> cast those burdens onto Christ. But, you know, this is real life. And, uh, and if we don't have each other, uh, then when when things do go sideways, then we're alone. That's right. You're alone. And that's the thing. Jesus said, I'm with you always. And then he told us to make disciples, to build the church so that we're never alone. He gave us the spirit. He gave us the church. All of those things are his presence among us. So the reality is we are destined to succeed. G- God has given us a mission. He's provide. He's even told us there's going to be a harvest. Yeah. 
If you it's guys will just engage in yep. this mission, God will do, you know, amazing things. Yes. You know, this this gospel reproduction is expected. It's not optional. It right. wasn't like, hey, if you guys have time, maybe think about possibly getting involved. <laughs> you know, we've got to reorient our lives and find a way to get involved, to get on board uh, for this mission. And the reality is God wants to use you. Yes, you right now yes. listening. God wants to use you. That's right. So find someone a disciple, uh, find a new convert or share the gospel with somebody and then find a new find somebody that you can help grow in their faith. Someone who's never been discipled. Use these uh, tools we talked about uh, growing up or the walk or any other, you know, discipleship uh, book there or are, resource. There's tons and tons there and tons. Are so so many people, you know, I think about even, even like your mom, she yes. finds people in the church that have never been discipled before and they've been Christians for a while. Right. And she, she's like, Hey, let's, let's get together. Yep. And I love that because yes. that will have a lasting impact, uh, on and on and on. So it doesn't have to be that you're converting someone to Christ. Right. It could be somebody that's already converted, but they've never been discipled. That's right. Yep. So we need to do that. You know, listen, if you yourself is are like, man, I don't know, I need to be discipled. Yeah. Listen, start a D group. Yep. Get one of these resources that we've talked about and start your journey. Yep. Just go for it. Put yourself out there and trust in the Lord. Be faithful. It's too important to delay. So start now. That's right. So thanks for listening. We'll leave it there. And uh <laughs> we have one more episode in the gospel pandemic. We're going to take a break here in a couple of weeks and give you a couple of mini episodes. Mm. And then we'll come back with a new series that we don't have. We don't know what we're going to do yet. We However, definitely know what we're no, doing. <laughs> I will be honest. We do not know. But listen, if you have a suggestion, if you have something yeah, that you, you would hear like talk about something, to yeah. hear from us, um, let us know. You know, message me or Brian or email us with ideas. And we would love to know what is on your heart. What is God you know, teaching you and how can we help press into that? So, Absolutely. So thanks for listening. That's it. We'll see you next see time. You next time. My, my, my turn. My turn. My turn. My turn. See Folks, we do this every week. You were wrong. You were wrong. Okay, listen, listen. Yep. Hold yep. on, hold on. You were wrong. I'm allowed to be wrong once. That is true. This I'm is ar- the first I'm time. This is the first time. <laughs> this is the first time. You never had to use this. I never this been one wrong. out. <laughs> you could ask your wife about that. <laughs>